0: Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode number 402, and it is an after the hunt story with a listener just like you. Caleb first joined us in episode number 397, as we talked before the hunt about his spring bear hunt for Idaho. Caleb and a group of guys went to Idaho to pursue bears for the first time and had both success and struggles. It was fun for me personally to hear from Caleb, not only because I love these stories, but also because we were actually hunting bears in Idaho on some of the same dates. Our trips kind of crossed over and we were in different areas, but I definitely could relate to some of what he said. So in this conversation with Caleb, we hear about the hunt itself, what they did right, some of the lessons they learned, some of the gear that worked well, some that didn't, how they're adapting for the next hunt next year and so much more. I know that there's a lot for you to take away in this episode. Before we do dive into that episode, I wanted to remind you guys that here in the month of June 2023, we have a giveaway going on. Sig Sauer has agreed to let us give away a pair of their new Zulu 6 HDX image stabilizing binos. So at any point in this month of June, 2023, just go to exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast on that page. You'll see an entry form, just enter your email to sign up and you'll be entered into that giveaway for this month. We will announce the winner at the end of the month, and then also have a new giveaway in the month of July. So stay tuned all summer. We're going to be doing this and having a giveaway each month. We're doing this as a thank you to you guys for the support of the show, and I love that we can give you a chance to win some great gear. Also, while you're on that page, again, that's just exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast, or there'll be a link in the show description. On that page, you can find all previous episodes, you can search by keyword, you can browse by topic, and so much more. So if you want to kind of explore the back catalog of podcast episodes, there's hundreds and hundreds of them you can do that there as well. Hit pause and do that right now. If you're interested in checking out the giveaway or any other previous episodes, come back and let's dive into this conversation with Caleb. Well, Caleb, welcome back, man. How are you?
1: i i'm good man uh good to be back good to be back on the uh on the podcast on the show had a uh quite the adventure so kind (laughs) of picking up the pieces now that we're picking up the pieces of ourselves now that we're back to be honest with you
0: yeah yeah i hear you man um i love i love these after shows and i'm excited to ask you some questions and hear about it you sent me an email with like some points but i don't know obviously the whole story or like all the ins and outs so i'm right here with the listener excited to hear about how this trip went but as i've done these before and after episodes uh one thing that i do like to kind of kick things off with is you know we obviously chatted before the hunt but i'm curious did anything change between you and i chatting for the first time and for listeners context that was episode number 397 if they didn't hear the first part but did anything change between that conversation with you and then the actual start of the hunt
1: i i want to say that a couple of things did mark i know i know for a fact one of the things that changed was the dates um i want to say that whenever you and i had talked we had it, it was like i was gonna leave i think a week and a half earlier uh, and then we all realized that You know, it was Mother's Day and everything else. So we changed the dates and then we kind of had to change them again. Uh, So we ended up going much later than we had anticipated. Uh, That was a big change. And then uh, one of the guys who was scheduled to go ended up not going. He went to uh, do a different hunt in Montana.
0: Yeah, I kind of did skip over if people didn't hear the first episode. But uh, quick short summary. One, you're from Texas. Two, this was your first bear hunt correct mm-hmm. first in one Idaho yep and then you were kind of going as we talk about like with the guys these were guys that you hadn't hunted with prior correct correct all right so I just want to lay that groundwork and again I will say that um, your before the hunt episode was, was really cool it connected with a lot of people we got a good feedback on it in general but then one thing that was unique because I think I don't know I sent three guys i think your way that reached out after hearing you on the podcast because they were kind of in your area and wanted to get in contact with you is that right yeah man uh
1: so you sent me it was either two or three uh and i've you know you sent me their contact information and and you forwarded over to me and i reached out to them uh all three were super cool dudes uh and they kind of like you said they in the same boat as i am one guy uh in particular i uh, got along with really well actually went out and had a beer with him and kind of talked over hunting and everything else uh i bet that him and i probably end up hunting in the future together um but it's i can't can't tell you how cool it is that you know as big as your audience is like you know it reaches small town texas and pretty sweet man
0: cool well the the kick things off before we just kind of dive into how the hunt started and the story and you can take that where you will but i love the first email I got from you after the trip, uh, which as we're recording this, I just looked this email. It was only five days ago. Um, but you said, I could summarize our Frank Church hunt with one picture. And you said it's on the back <laughs> of the tailgate after we got back to the truck. And I pull up this picture, and there's just three dudes on the tailgate looking beat up and haggard and a bit mangled uh, and a little bit destroyed. But I think, as you also said... 10 out of 10, you would do this again and wreck yourself again. So (laughs) I'm excited to hear all of what went into that. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like you guys certainly got after it, but how did things kick off, man?
1: Yeah. So we, uh, left on Friday after work, uh, left on a Friday after work. Uh, it's about a 22 hour drive. I want to say from, from here up to, uh, salmon, Idaho. Um, we kind of split up into, into two different groups. One group left on the Wednesday before we left on Friday. Uh, me and Remington left on Friday. Um, got there, man, I want to say it was like mid-morning on Saturday. We just drove straight through. Uh, it's definitely a brutal drive. Um, almost hit an antelope on the way up there, uh, which was kind of cool, actually. And uh, Pulled in a salmon, bought our licenses, and kind of discussed game plan, of of course, you know the drive up there, him and I are talking about, you know, we how are we gonna do this? Are we gonna, you know, take a nap. When we get there, we can try to sleep a little bit, you know, what what's the plan? And uh, leave salmon after getting our licenses, get to the wilderness area, uh, park the trucks and just decide that we're gonna get on the trail and, and get after it. And of course we're we're sending in-reach messages to the guys who are already there. Uh, like I said, they've they've been there for about mm, 30 hours, you know, before we did. Um, and they were already kind of at, at base camp. And we're just texting them, seeing where they're at, seeing how it's going. And uh, I think him and I just, again, all, no sleep, uh, but super excited. And we're like, you know what, let's just get on the trail. Uh, changed, loaded up all of our stuff and and took off. Um, I think it's important to note here, uh, whenever I say base camp. So we had picked out an area, actually a couple of areas that we wanted to hunt. And um, Frank Church is huge, uh, really tough to get into. And we don't have horses. We're not flying in. We're we're packing them, we're walking in. So uh, in order to get away from what we thought was everybody, and it turns out it was kind of unnecessary because there was not a single soul out there. Actually, I only met three two guys the entire trip. Um, but base camp from our vehicle,
0: it was, I thought I would say it was like 18 miles uh, from the truck. Is that where this other group of guys already was? Was it this base camp? Yeah,
1: yeah, the other two. And I didn't realize, maybe I didn't do enough research. Maybe I'm an idiot. I don't know what it was. But I, you know, we're pulling up on on onyx, and I'm like, bro, this is like 20 miles. Are you sure? Like, this is where they're at? And he's like, oh yeah. That's that's where we're heading. Uh, but they'd already gotten there, and kind of a surprise. I wasn't planning on packing in 18 miles, but that's, that's what we ended up doing, uh, and it was incredibly tough.
0: That is that's biting off a chunk of the Frank going 18 miles. <laughs> I mean, it, I've done Frank miles that. Uh, like when we did one of our death hikes in the frank uh the first day we did i forget 25 or something like that and it was on pretty good trail and like there was aspects to it that were hard like it was hot and whatever um so if you're cruising on trail it's totally doable but i've also Mm -hmm. been in parts of the frank where that same group of guys we just did 25 the day prior and felt great the next day we did i think seven miles total. And that was like a full on all effort, like dark to dark type thing. And so it just depends obviously what terrain you're in, but either way, even if good trail, like biting off 18 miles is it's, it's a heck of a chew.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was. We actually, uh, we got about halfway into it and you're right. Like we were on trails and the trails made it like we couldn't have done that kind of mileage without trails. 100%. It, you, you just wouldn't have gotten very far. Um, our packs were heavy. I think I've weighed it and I was right at like 61 pounds or something like that. But you're right, man. It was, it, it, with the trails, you could do that kind of mileage. Um, man, we got, I think we got like 8.2 miles into it and and me and Remington are looking at each other. Like, I, I don't, I think we're done. <laughs> it's, it's like four or five in the afternoon. Uh, we're exhausted and we hadn't slept. We still hadn't slept at this point. So we decided to go ahead and, and take a break, uh, set up camp and, and sleep the night and then get back on the trail the next morning.
0: Wow. So I guess during this time, you know, these guys are in there, they've been there 30 plus hours. Was there in those in-reach communications and messages, were they feeding you any intel? Had they seen any bears? Were they seemed seemingly kind of like upbeat in spirits or anything, any kind of cues from them since they'd been in there a little bit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they sent us an in-reach message on the second morning uh, and let us know that they had seen a bear uh, and they were going to start working on, on getting it down. Uh, so that was again, the second morning. So we're up on the trail hiking uh, and they're saying, okay, we got a bear. We're going to go after it. And, uh, yeah. So we, we knew that they they were onto something. Um, it was kind of funny as we're, as we're getting closer to base camp, we can actually, I actually heard them, uh, heard their rifle go off, And we got a text message, uh, another in reach message, a couple minutes later saying that, you know, bears down, it's kind of down in the thick stuff. We can't see it. Uh, you know, when you guys get here, give us a hand.
0: Wow, that's an exciting start to head into.
1: It, it was. It, and it, you know, after hiking that far in, it was, it kind of just reignited that, okay, you know what, this sucks. Getting in here sucks, but there's bears. Let's, let's go kill bears. Uh, it doesn't really matter how bad it hurts or whatever. Let's, let's just get after it, go kill bears. Um, but yeah, really excited for them to on their, I guess it was their second day or I'm sorry, their third day there uh, that they got one down.
0: So how did that end up playing out? You kind of getting closer to the area, you hear the shot. They kind of said, "Hey, come help us out." Is that how things eventually went? Like you get to base camp, drop your stuff, and go meet and help with them, or how did it proceed?
1: Yeah, well, that was that was the intention. Uh, we had every intention of of making that happen, giving them a hand. Um, whenever we got to base camp, we me and Remington uh, unloaded everything, set up camp. And we're just kind of sitting there and we're, we're talking with them on in reach back and forth. And they're saying, you know, we, they, of course they still can't see it. And Remington, he's fires back a message of basically like, Hey, just wait it out. Uh, you know, this is the bottom of the drainage. And we can actually, Remington and I are at this point are sitting uh, by our tents and we're looking through our binos and spotting scope and we can see them up on the ridge uh, that they shot from. And uh, so we're, we're kind of going back and forth. They ended up not needing our help after all. Um, gosh, I want to say they probably shot that bear around three And we're down there caping it and and everything else, I don't know, by six o'clock or so.
0: So you guys hang out at camp or did you just kind of stay right there? Was camp in a good spot where you could kind of glass from? So did you strategically pick the spot because of that or just put you in a good vicinity to kind of venture out from, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah. And I don't know if it was serendipity or, or by intention, but we actually did pick a really good place. Uh, one of the other guys, I think Jay or it might have been Mason. I'm not sure which one sort of picked the spot where we were going to set up camp and we were not super high in elevation, but you could, we were kind of down in, the, in this bowl. So we had slopes surrounding us, you know, all the way around, we could see for, for a couple of miles in one direction and, and pretty close to, you know, I'd say, gosh, 1200, 1400 yards in every other direction uh, of all slopes. And that was kind of the surprising thing to me is, You know, I I don't want to jump ahead, but we went into it with a game plan that, you know, everybody else recommends is, okay, find south-facing slopes and, uh, you know, we'll see green up. That's where you'll hunt. When we get there, you know, and I don't know how high, I think we're like around the 5,000-foot elevation mark, 6,000, somewhere in there. But everything is green. There is zero snow to be found anywhere in this whole entire wilderness. Um, So, yeah, it was like north-facing slopes, south-facing slopes. Every slope had green up, had those, you know, those yellow flowers on them um, it, it was, it was busted wide open.
0: Yeah. I mean, we were, um, you know, as this podcast, as we're recording with Steve and I just released the recap of our bear hunt. And then, um, this one, this podcast that we are recording, we'll the week. So they're going to be relatively timely, but we were out there kind of in some overlapping dates, um, and in different areas. But yeah, I mean, that was our experience as well as we were especially considering just how much snow Idaho got and then some of the late winter conditions they had kind of into early spring. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we didn't estimate like, or be able to predict how quick that that melted. Um, and as you said, it wasn't like, Oh, target this slope, or there's going to be limited amounts of, a fresh green feed that's going to concentrate bears it was just like man there's just green up everywhere um and that definitely makes makes the hunting tougher for sure
1: yeah it, it did it, it did. i think we all kind of pivoted you know we're sitting there that evening talking about all right what's our strategy for tomorrow uh you know kind of our first full day hunting all together they've already got one bear down and that was a realization is like we did not like there's no concentrated zones for bears like you don't have an elevation mark you know you're not hunting the the just the drainages, the, the low parts, you're hunting the entire mountain. Like, and that's just the the tag we drew. You know what I mean? It kind of what it was what it was. Uh and so instead of, you know, us going to pick out these certain drainages and these certain south facing slopes, it basically turned into a, a just find a spot and look everywhere. Um, you know, 360 degrees and hopefully run into something. Uh and that was kind of our strategy moving forward. We still had several high spots picked out that we wanted to all get to, uh kind of break up and 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 go hunt. And that was the strategy that we ended up taking but there was uh those kind of game day decisions man and like like you said we we expected snow we expected all of this it was like 84 degrees you know in the afternoons we're sweating and there's zero snow anywhere a uh, ton of water runoff and like i said it was like every single direction you looked was just total gorgeous lush green up
0: I don't want to scoop over there, and I know you weren't there for the actual, uh, you know, kill and all that, but obviously you were there shortly thereafter as they get back to camp with it. Was it pretty solid bear, something that they were happy with or any details at least that they relayed to you from like how they spotted it, the shot, any of that stuff?
1: Yeah. So this was their actually all of us, all of our first bear. Um, none of us have been bear hunting before. So kind of new experience for all of us and, they get down on it and you know do their thing, whatever. We're talking to them at camp, and we're watching the videos, uh, like you know, digiscoping videos from their uh, from their spotty scope, and and the bear looks pretty big. Uh, looks like a big guy. Uh, I would have you know shot it and heck me and you know Remington on the way in. We're talking about. I, I don't care if it's a Labrador size or or you know a giant. If I see a bear, I'm shooting it. Like as long as it's legal, I'm shooting the bear. I'm not going to be picky. And anyway. Uh, they drop the bear and get down on it. And it turns out it's not a huge bear. It's like a, I would say a, a medium-ish size bear. Uh, I don't have measurements on, or measurements on it or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, the guy who shot it nice and, you know, he was pumped. He was, you know, first public land bear. So regardless of size, he was, he was just excited and you we were excited for him.
0: Yeah. Bears are tough to judge just in general, unless you have a lot of experience looking at bears. And then also especially tough if it's like, You haven't been looking over a bunch of bears or don't have like context um but then i think that a lot of guys who are newer to bear hunting you know just don't have that experience like out of state like yourself like even myself um just in their head like assume that a quote-unquote average bear is bigger than it is i think the average Mm. bear especially in like Idaho is actually probably quite a bit smaller than, uh, what people think when they actually get to it on the ground. So, um, between that, I think call it the baseline of what size people expect, um, when they don't have experience, but then also just the fact that they're just tough to judge in general, again, without a lot of experience. Um, I think it's, you know, just very common for guys like, Oh, that's not quite what I expected.
1: Yeah, I think if if you're on top of a 200 pound bear, you're probably, at least where we were at, you're probably going to be the exception, you know, not the rule. But I mean, a bear is a bear, and, you know, they all make pretty rugs, and the meat was delicious that night in camp. Uh, We ate the back straps that night. Um, Yeah, it was just a, I would have been happy with it 100%. I I went in there with zero intention. I don't care how big the bear is, just I want a bear. Uh, And I think that was kind of everybody else's mentality. And you're right, like, they're super hard. Super super hard to judge size on. We were watching this one, and I kind of what I ended up doing later on during the hunt to t- kind of look at size is those yellow flowers are everywhere, and that's where the bears are. Like we found like the ones that we saw there around those yellow flowers. we hiking around. I knew that the yellow flowers were like knee high, uh, so that was kind of the only reference that I I had on, on judging them. Uh, and it, I guess it worked out all right, but at least it gave me some I I had some sort of perspective, you know.
0: Yeah. Cool, man. Well, yeah, pick back up, uh, pick back up with the story, how things progress. It sounds like at least in my head, I have a, you know, a decent feel for what's happened where you guys are at base camp wise and kind of what the strategy is. Where did it go from here?
1: Yeah. So uh, next morning, and this is kind of where I should have done a better job of of writing out the story before the podcast. I apologize. So it might be kind of scattered, but next morning uh, we get up, we don't, and we're not getting up super early. Uh, I, I know I slept until probably seven, three or eight. Uh Rim Table still pine comes up my tent to wake me up. So <laughs> I finally roll out of bed and uh uh we eat breakfast, kind of get morning chores, filter water, uh, all that stuff and put together this game plan that we're gonna walk uh a couple of miles, uh I wanna say it was kind of west and north. Uh about a four and a half mile hike, gain some elevation. Uh and there's some slopes that we look at kind of over here bordering this river. Uh load up our packs, uh Speaking of, uh, man, I'm for those who are using trekking poles. If your tent uses trekking poles to to support it, uh, man, buy something else. Like buy some uh, buy something specifically for that. Uh, I got real tired of taking my trekking poles out from under the tent and my tent collapsing and all the other nonsense every single day. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we we load up, uh, and and head down the trail. And we ended up splitting up, uh, the other two guys ended up going about six miles in Remton and I, I want to say we did like four and a half, gained some elevation. Uh, the wind was whipping that day. Uh, we tried to set up a tarp cause it was hot again. It was you know 85 degrees. Uh, and we were just sitting out there in the sun. So we're, we tried to set up a tarp. Uh, the wind kept just tearing it apart. We would get it set and anchored and everything else. I think we had six or seven stakes on this 10 by 10 tarp and the wind was ripping it right out of the ground. Um, so we get up there set up and, and just, you know, kind of start gridding out. He picks one side, I pick the other and grid away. Um, uh, we kind of watched the other two guys disappear over, uh, the next ridge. They drop down and are kind of, they're, they're going to target that next range over. Um, and yeah, just start picking away uh, I sat there. I don't know how many hours we were there all day. Uh, looking, 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 didn't see a thing, man. Um, and we're sending, of course, in region, you know, talking to the other guys and asking them what they're seeing. And it's the same for them. Uh, just in in both of those drainages we picked out, you know it wasn't for lack of effort. we you know we put the miles in. we 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 got in a great spot a great vantage points so where we could see, I don't know, Remington. and I could see honestly about three hundred and sixty degrees uh, all the way around us. and then way back deep into this drainage. I think i I was kind of messing about the ra- or messing around with the rangefinder and in the one drainage we were sitting in I could see. like I could, I was still picking out stuff at like 1800 yards. Um, So getting way back in there, but just no bears, man. Um, And it looked awfully sheepy. So I was kind of on one side, kind of behind us. Uh, It it looked more like sheep country than bear country. Uh, Just a lot of cliffs and, you know, real rocky ledges and things like that. Um, So we were looking for, you know, it it started out, okay, let's find a bear. And then by the end of the day, we were like, let's find anything living. That's not us and see if we can just look at it. Uh, Just something to inspire hope. And uh, that was it, man. Found nothing but but rattlesnakes that day.
0: Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) that is a very Frank Church statement right there. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see if we could find anything living besides us. Oh man, it's just like again, we've talked about the Frank in, in many different contexts on the podcast, but I think it gets romanticized, and it is amazing country to experience. But from a pure you hear giant wilderness perspective and you tend to think, Oh man, it's this giant remote wilderness. And if we just go, you know, 18 miles in like where all this game's going to be there and undisturbed. And, uh, the reality is, is it's big, rough, rugged country with not great densities and often can be exactly what you said. Like, is there anything here living besides me?
1: Man, I I don't even know if there was fish in the rivers below us, man. i there, there wasn't anything in that drainage, and you're right. Like it, it definitely is romanticized, uh, and it's huge country. And I cannot, I, I I don't think I'm the only time I've ever had or felt the way that that place maybe feel was like Grand Canyon. Like you go to Grand Canyon, it is just too big to be true, right? Like you're it's just mind blowing big, and that's what the Frank feels like. It's just this huge country, and you're right. You would think, okay, all this country no one wants to come back here because no one wants to go back there and get back there is such a pain uh, and so much work. So it's, it's, it's empty, but it's also like not super high population. And I didn't realize how low the densities were until after we got back. I'm kind of doing some research on, you know, go hunt and a couple of other things. Uh, Harvest numbers aren't great, man. Uh, You, you got to work for it and you might go, you know, days without seeing anything alive. Uh, And that was the case for us.
0: Well, we were talking about, you know, you, just even in this first day, and I'm sure you guys did more of it here in the story to come, but it just made me think while well, you're talking about spending this whole day glassing looking for anything alive, um, we can hit on gear and maybe run down some lists of stuff later. You shared bullet points, but while we're talking about glassing, what what did you run for optics and how uh, did it work for you on this trip?
1: Yeah, so uh, based on a bunch of reviews and everything else, I picked up a Suaro ATC. Uh, what is it? Seventeen to forty. Seventeen to forty-five.
0: I think forty-five. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, little spotting scope. Uh, I'm gonna call it a micro spotting scope. It is tiny, tiny, tiny. Uh, when I was looking into the research, I wanted something that was uh, light, fast, easy to use, and that I would actually take with me places. Uh, you know, I have dreams of a you know big Kawa seventy-seven or something like that, but I don't want to hike it around. So picked up a little mini scope, um, ran it, and then for or binos, I had uh, Zeiss Conquest uh, ten by forty twos, and that was plenty. Honestly, uh, ten by forty twos. I didn't realize how far those would get you, but they they'll take care of you, man. They uh, as long as they're clear, you can see way out there. We were, I mean, we were picking up elk one day at like I want to say fifteen hundred yards, uh, no problem. Just just clear as day. Uh, anyway, I had spotty scope and uh and binos mounted both of those on a tripod, a little pan head no complaints at all. It worked out really well.
0: Yeah. Awesome. We were, or uh, we, I was wrong telling you it was a 45. It is a 40, by the way, <laughs> I just looked, um, there it is. on the ATC, but then, yeah. So I was going to ask if with your binos, if you were also using a tripod and it sounds like you were, um, and again, said this plenty of times, but just reiterate how much that does for you, Um, especially in big open country and you're not glassing on the move like if you're sitting down and glassing for a bit putting those binos on a tripod um, it almost makes them like doubly effective even if you think Mm -hmm. you are sitting and holding them handheld still um, getting them dead dead set on a tripod is just it's unbelievable how how much more effective that is.
1: Yeah, it it does a couple of things. One is it it makes it really stable. Uh so you're you're not looking through a really shaky image, of course. But if you're gonna be sitting somewhere for 10 minutes, like just break the tripod out and set it up. Uh, you'll you'll thank yourself for it. But it also uh it, it made for me it, it just makes gridding out mountains so much easier. Um you're it's smooth. And then you're able to and I don't know if you do the same thing, but I like I would you know, move my optics, move my vinyls, sit on the area. And I'm actually moving my head, you know, kind of around, you know, the eyepiece uh, looking at all the edges and everything else. And I, you know, you can look for five, 10 minutes in, in one spot before you're having to to kind of reset things and, and move it over a little bit. But yeah, uh, it, it makes, and it also makes it just way more comfortable. Uh, you're not getting tired or anything else. I'll tell you, I, I didn't bring a a stool. I brought up just a glassing pad and that worked out fine, but a stool is also you know, kind of depending on, on where you're at and how steep of an angle you're sitting and, and everything else, Man, I think a stool is going to be a, a mandatory item for for me moving forward. Um, I borrowed one of my buddies. He doesn't like glass of the coin, but that was the move for me anyway.
0: So I kind of spent that whole day glassing, as you said, wondering if there's anything living. Is that kind of a, a recap of the day? Just a good, solid, long day of glassing in the heat and the wind?
1: Yep, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, and neither one of us, I think that, we all had good attitudes going in like we're we're really not expecting to see you know just animals piled on top of each other so uh for us you know glassing all day and coming up empty didn't really break any of our hearts you know none of us morale was still good we were still you know just as motivated that day as we were the day before and uh glassed all day uh and then wanted to i just a personal thing i i don't love hiking in the dark i mean i'm i'm getting old and I don't want to roll an ankle for something stupid. So unless I'm, I'm on top of an animal, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get back to camp before it gets just pitch black. So uh, I don't remember what time we, we broke everything down, but uh, in the evening, we broke everything down, packed up and made our way back for, for dinner, uh, got back to camp. Uh, the other guys ended up showing up about 30 minutes later, I think maybe 45 minutes later. And we're all talking through, you know, what did you see, you know, experience, uh, you know, thoughts for tomorrow,
0: uh,
1: didn't really put together any kind of plan, just kind of you know, BS'd around camp and, and
0: got to bed that night and got a good night's sleep. So what's the next day bring?
1: Yeah, uh, next day was kind of rinse and repeat. Um, so we went, ended up going in a different direction. Uh, so keep in mind that we're, we're kind of at a fork in a river. Um, there's one bridge and that's it. Uh, we kind of came into this. We knew that there were going to be river crossings um, and we brought a couple of rafts. Uh, like alpaca rafts with the intention that, all right, this will open up a whole lot of country. Uh, we come to rivers, we'll cross them, go about our business and, you know, no problem. Uh, that kind of came to an end. So if the rafts were nice and I think had it not been so hot and there was not so much runoff, all those rivers would have been something that I would have been willing to cross uh, that all of us and mind you, we're all pretty adventurous. I don't say no to a whole lot. I'm, I'm not one to be you know real cautious about much of anything. So I was willing to roll the dice, uh, but you look at those rivers and it's, I mean, it's like whitewater rafting type of rivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that closed off a whole area that we intended to hunt. So we thought, okay, well, we'll just, you know, walk up this river. We'll stay on the bank, uh, stay, you know, inside of it and head the other direction. Uh, once again, uh, Rimton and I kind of split up from them. We get down the trail a couple of miles. I want to say that they went another, you know, six or seven miles back. We probably went four or five miles back. Uh, him and I ended up climbing, man, I want to say 1500 feet, something like that. I got to a really nice knife ridge, uh, set up and, and off to work we go. Uh, you know, this is one of those areas though, that we once again can see a ton of country, you know, basically 270 degrees probably, uh, viewing, but a big chunk of that, you know, maybe even half of it, uh, super berry looking, looked amazing, real lush, green, yellow flowers everywhere. But was closed off by that river. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't get to it. So, of course, you're glassing it. But you can, you could, you know, even if we were to see something over there, the question was, you know, are we going to have the the balls to try to cross this river if we if we do see something? Um, and I think that came to a, a a crashing, you know, conclusion. We saw actually the only people that we saw back in that country was people coming down the water, like white water rafting. Uh, we saw them coming down it in like a legit raft with you know, guys and everything else and they're getting slammed. And we thought and we're watching them through binos and I'm like, yeah, we're out. We're yeah. not crossing the river. We're staying, we're staying on this side.
0: Just to echo that, because again, some of our gates overlapped and we were in different country. Um, so I wasn't in the same area or same water, of course, but you know, Steve and I were in an area we had previous experience with and that previous experience mm-hmm. for Steve and I has including included traversing some water quite a few times in this country. Um, and we went into this hunt knowing that it was way more likely than not that like, that's part of our plan essentially is often we'll glass from one side, um, but need to get to the other side for bears. And in the past, that's what we've done, uh, numerous times. And again, because of how recent some of the snow melt was like, you not only saw the water volume, but you could even see in like the muddiness of the water and how much of this was fresh. Like, we pretty quickly made the decision, um, ourselves as well, that it was off the table to cross, um, in our area, which again is a unique because in the past, it's not a consideration. It's like part of the plan. Uh, and it definitely limited us on our hunt as well. So again, just to say like you guys, Probably made uh, a very, very good call by <laughs> uh, by not uh, trying to cross in <laughs> these conditions. Even if you know, on a, in that same place, on a different time, it would have been possible.
1: Yeah, it it, it that changed. There was a couple days. One is is how greened up everything was. You know, it, it wasn't just south facing south facing slopes. It was just blown wide open for bears to roam around. But the other part that changed, you know, kind of our strategy was like half of the country that we had intended to hunt was now inaccessible. Uh, yep. Definitely a bummer, but we were, I mean, you're, you're, it's, it's still a huge area. So, it, it, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses, but like you, there's still plenty of places to hunt. It's just that man, I wanted to be over there and I can't go over there now.
0: Yep. Same.
1: Um, yeah, man. So uh, we set up uh, again, kind of a, another deal, glassing, you know, old and eh, we didn't stay on that knife ridge all day. We, I think we spent, uh, several hours there. Um and on, on one side of us, you know, looked there was a lot of timber kind of up high. Uh and it looked, you know, kind of down over this huge it, it I mean it looks like a green field, just this wide open green field, you know, on the side of this mountain. Uh and just covered up in those yellow flowers. And we're we have pretty high hopes for it. Uh so we set up and you know, we're kind of keeping an eye on timber because you, you could see, I mean, a, you could see anything out in that green open, in that green open area, uh, just naked eye. So we're kind of focused on the timber, uh, glancing around uh, occasionally just to see, you know, other areas. Um, eventually, you know, we're, we're both kind of scratching our heads. Like, man, this, you know, this, we should be seeing bears on this spot. Like this, this looks like a good spot. We're not seeing anything, you know, what do we want to do? Um, and so him and I, and I don't regret this. I think that it was a bad call. I think that we should have waited it out. Um, and again, I you know, hindsight twenty twenty, and and it may have been the right move after all. Uh, but we decided to, to leave that knife ridge, uh, hike back down to the trail, uh, and then make our way you know kind of around the corner to a different drainage and, and start glassing there instead. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I you know I don't think we have enough experience between you know the, the group of us to know you know should we stay there. I, I just think that as big as that place is, um, in retrospect, I think that really the best thing to do is just find one spot because it takes so long to get from one spot to another, you know, you're all the elevation changes and, and all the miles, like it, maybe it's better, you know, more efficient and effective to just pick one spot, get to it, and then just stay there. Uh, and maybe you're not seeing stuff right away, but like just wait it out. Um, rather than, than moving and, and hoping for, you know, greener pastures. Makes sense.
0: Yeah, it makes total sense, especially in that country. I tend to agree. Um, you know, it is, it. there's so much to look over one. And then two, as you said, really to like get to different vantage points and um, to put yourself in a good position just takes a lot of effort in that country. Um, and so I wouldn't, you know, rule it out, but it's definitely not something you know, some country I've hunted, it is okay to like, Hey, we're going to bounce in here. We're going to get on this ridge and, you know, glass for just this one evening or what have you. And then, you know, if we don't see something move on or what have you. Um, but definitely as big as this country tends to be in the Frank quote unquote, just moving on is just a massive, massive effort, um, that you don't want to make that decision or pull the plug too quick. And in a lot of areas.
1: Yeah, and I think again, I don't know if it was a mistake, but you know, hindsight twenty twenty, uh, looking back, I think that that's how. If I if I could go back and redo it, I would have just stayed in one place.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. You can just look at it, devil's advocate, right? Like there is something <laughs> to be said for like if if you have felt like you've glassed an area over and said if something's here, we would have seen it by now, and. Again, this gets into different hunting situations and seasons, but it's like if you're hunting a species or a, a time where that species is not too mobile or migratory, right? Like they're in a pretty small window of like food to bed, for example, versus this would all change if we said, okay, um, it's it's the frank, and, but it's like the mule deer rut, right? Bucks could be cruising. Like put yourself in a spot maybe and stay there no matter what because even if you last for you know 10 hours one day that doesn't mean that a buck won't be cruising through the next day so it Mm -hmm. it is a thing where you just have to keep in mind like what is the behavior of the animal what is the conditions currently and have i glassed this area sufficiently for the given context um so yeah it's just there there are always variables to consider
1: yep and i think man a lot of that is going to come down to experience uh you know i and one of the guys you know they do a lot of elk hunting uh, and one of them made the comment of you know you we're, were almost hunting bears like we we would hunt elk and maybe that's not the right tactic and maybe it's just one of those things that you know through experience we we definitely took a lot away from that um from that first hunt and some things we do differently but you're right I, I don't know if it was right wrong uh, but you know hopefully through experience you kind of just learn you know a gut feeling of, of what should I do? What should I do in the situations? And we're not seeing anything, you know, should we move? And it's not like we were, you know, leading bears to find bears. We were just trying to find bears. So yeah, yep. I don't know. Um, yeah, that was it. So last all day, uh, made a way back to camp. Saw another rattlesnake killed it on the way back to camp. So do any other, uh, you feature people here back there or that we were in. You're welcome. I think we took care of three, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh got back to camp. Uh and man, I, I can really pretty much summarize the trip and that. So uh we did that for gosh, I don't know how many days, what three, three solid days uh of of hunting. Um different areas, different drainages, uh, put on a ton of miles. Uh and like I said, we we were, you know, looking at elevation, everything from you know nine thousand, eight thousand feet somewhere in there to, to four thousand. Uh I, I can say that you know, we, we put the effort in, uh, glassed a ton of areas, um, and just didn't turn up anything else. Uh, that was, that was kind of the, the, that area that was, it was all done. Um, so spent a couple more nights there doing the same thing, uh, set up camp, you know, and our state there's in our setup camp, um, tried a couple of different, you know, tactics, you know, which really just revolved around, you know, hunting, you know, more mobile, uh, trying to keep, you know, moving a little bit more, uh, yeah, uh, and then came down to the day that one of the guys had to. Uh, I guess it was uh, Thursday uh, that we had to at least we were either going to all go back together uh, or you know split up again. And, and the other guys they get back because they had to be back earlier than we did. Uh, and do we stay or do we follow them? Um, Rimton and I kind of chatted about it. Keep in mind, y'all. Uh, so <laughs> there's a couple of things working against us. One is we. We went so far back uh, into the the wilderness area that it it just it took a lot out of us. Um, it was an absolute beating getting back there, um, and then every single day, you know, it, it wasn't these short little hikes to ridges. It was every single day we're putting on like miles, uh, you know, three four plus miles every single day. Um, so Thursday comes and, and me and Brendan are like, well. You know, we could say another day uh, and get another full day in, uh, or we can kind of, you know, stick with these two and just hunt our way back. Uh, you know, there's a lot of country between here and the trucks. Um, we're pretty beat up. Uh, everybody by this point, well, not everybody. I actually got away scot-free, but everyone, all three of those guys, their feet are like they have like Leuco tape socks on. Like they're, they're, they're just <laughs> mangled. Uh, Remington, poor dude. Uh, so Remington's got... Uh, And actually, this is something that everybody should be inspiring. If me and Remington, so I'm old, I drink too much beer. Uh, I'm not like a super healthy person. I'm in shape, uh, but like you know, I'm not. I'm not like this super athletic dude anymore. Uh, And then Remington, uh, he's got one good leg. Uh, Let me rephrase. He has one leg, uh, and then a prosthetic on the other. So if we can get back and, and do this. Like anybody can do it. it. It really is just mind over matter. Uh, anybody can put the miles on. It just is gonna suck for a minute. Uh anyway, but yeah, poor Remington. You know, not only is his foot all banged up, his, his good foot, but he's got, you know, his his stump is all taped up, glucot tape and everything else from you know, rubbing aside that prosthetic. And uh and we're just beat up, man. Uh we're all tired and and beat up. And so it kind of came down to, well, you know, do we stay another day or do we want to hike back and just on our way back? And, and Remington and I elected to uh stick with these two. I figured we can kind of apply the same strategy on the way back, Uh, you know, make it about halfway back that night, find or that afternoon, uh, find a high spot and glass country and see if we can turn something up uh, on the hunt, you know, on the way back. Um, I want to say we made it seven, it was like 7.8 miles to uh, the next place. And also, man, I don't know if you found this or y'all hunt or if you've experienced this there is nowhere to camp in Frank church. Like there's no flat <laughs> ground. Like there's, there's just not like, if you want a camping spot, like you have to make it to like the next designated camping area. Like there's, there's just nowhere else to set up. And, and we're not like in giant, you know, you know, tents or anything. We're in, for the most part, I've got two one man tents and uh, one of the guys had a, or two of the guys had a Cimarron uh, teepee. So yeah, it, it's, it's basically like you're forced to, to travel these long distances just to be able to set up camp and, and go to bed at night so uh yeah hike back and we're taking our time uh on the way back you know we're not moving particularly fast and we're you know stopping when we see these new areas you know pop about the dinos grass slopes uh, just just looking for for anything huntable uh get to uh, this camping spot and it started it was actually raining on us about half the time uh that morning it's i don't know started raining like at 10 o'clock in the morning and rain until two in the afternoon we're hiking through the rain uh we get to the spot where we're going to set up camp uh, set up camp and we're all soaked so it's kind of one of those things of, all right just you know set your tent up get inside your tent you know dry off a little bit um eat some lunch and just kind of wait for the the storm to break and it did uh, i want to say it broke around gosh maybe three o'clock in the afternoon uh, the rain finally stopped and it was pouring it wasn't like a sprinkle it was it was full-on pouring rain uh, as soon as it stops, we all come out of our tents, uh, put together a quick game plan, find a ridge that's you know maybe half a mile, three quarter of a mile away, but a, a ton of elevation to gain, uh, and we hop up there. Uh, takes us I don't know an hour and a half to get up to the spot we're we're looking at, set up, and we're all four just classing this one area. Uh, once again, uh, picked a good area to glass, really good viewing all the way around. I think again about two hundred seventy. You know, degrees of, of viewing so we kind of all just pick a different area and started glassing we could have gotten up a little bit higher and probably see more um but I, I i think we all felt pretty good you know that you could see enough of this drainage to to say that we were doing you know we were we were hunting not hiking you know what i mean <laughs> or hunting not camping so
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: get set up and start looking around uh and glass all evening uh uh, kind of a cool little time together, to be honest with you. That was the first time that we had all kind of had the opportunity to sit down, you know, and quiet and, and work together. Uh, so a lot of good conversation. We're all kind of switching optics, you know, look at the other people's, you know, what do you got? You know, let's look through yours. Let me kind of test against mine. Uh, and yeah, just that was, that was what we did. Turned up uh, a couple of cow elk, maybe at 1,200 yards, something like that. Um, and again, that was that was the only wildlife that we saw that day uh, and they were on a different ridge across the river but kind of cool to, to sit up and, and watch those cows you know do cow stuff
0: yeah i don't know where your head was uh when you're actually hiking back to the truck uh when this hunt is quote unquote over uh meaning the hunting portion's over but maybe you still have some miles to cover what have you but uh just going back to some of the things you said and recapping man Like if you guys can do this, anybody can do this, Mm -hmm. but almost nobody does this, right? So like (laughs) anybody can, but who does? And I just want to like commend you for getting after it. Like it's a, it's a commitment of time and effort, energy, money, the drive, the hike in, but you know, coming out of this experience without a bear, it's like, I, I think hopefully you realize that you took a lot out of it and should be proud of just doing it
1: yeah man i so i had high hopes of a bear whenever i left um i really did i uh, bought a bear tag wolf tag uh, i thought man i'm gonna get something on the ground and you know let's do it i, I think i realized probably pretty quick into it you know in this you, you get a lot of those man it's so nice to hike right you're on the trail you're it's completely quiet you're surrounded by just this majestic scenery uh, and it gives you a lot of time to kind of be introspective and, and just think. And on the hike up, I remember a, a distinct moment. Remington and I are talking, and I'm telling him, "Like, dude, I don't actually care if I shoot a bear or not. Like, you know, one the first bear, if I do see one, like, I'm just gonna shoot it. Like, I'm not trying to be picky about it. So if I see one, then awesome. I said. But secondly, like, I think that just being here and like doing the work uh, and doing something that is so difficult, like that, is an accomplishment all on its own. And that's kind of what my mentality shifted to you know, super early in the hunt is, man, just like, if you can get up every morning, you know, put the miles in, you know, climb the elevation, not complain, not quit, you know, not grumble about not seeing anything. Like if you can do that, you're going to have a successful trip. Like just be here and learn uh, and get the experience uh, and do the work. And, you know, one of those things that like truth be told, dude, if you can do that hunt, you can, there's really not a whole lot out there that's going to be more difficult than, than what we did. I don't think maybe there is, uh, feel free to call me out if, if you feel different, but man, I, I do feel like if you can do, if you could do that hunt then I, if I could do that hunt then I could pretty much do, you know, anything else in the, at least in the lower 48. Um, but yeah, walked away with, with just a sense of gratitude to have spent the time there, uh, getting to know those guys better, getting to know the country better, gaining experience. Uh, you know, we took a pile of stuff away with us that we can apply to next year. Uh, next year we already have plans to do the same exact hunt. Um, Going about it a little bit differently, but, uh, yeah, dude, it was like just the accomplishment of, of being there, uh, and, and putting the miles that we did. I think we did 70 miles right at 70 miles over six days. Um, man, I'm, I'm proud of that. Uh, and bear or no bear, super cool experience. And between the four of us, we got one bear, right? I figure if, if we can get one bear between the four of us, like that was a
0: win. Huh. Awesome, man. I love the perspective and wholeheartedly agree for sure. Uh, to hit on some stuff, you know, not necessarily related to the story and feel free if I'm skipping anything in the story you want to cover to uh, to circle back to it. But you sent over just kind of some bullet points on um, things you're interested in buying since this trip, yeah. like gear changes, uh, a list of like what worked, what didn't work. Yeah. Um, I can pull some of those, but from your perspective, I'm not sure if you saw that list in front of you, like what stands out? Cause I, there's a lot there that, you know, we could talk for another hour if we wanted to go all through all those, but uh, what are some high points or things that really kind of stand out to you in that discussion?
1: Yeah. Uh, hang on. I just pulled out the list. Um, high points. So uh, I, again, you know, I I don't think that we picked up bad time. Like, I don't know if it, it is especially being out of state it's really hard to coordinate an ideal time like uh, uh, we would all love to you know be out there on the exact right date when the elevation you know, the snow levels are exactly right and so on and so forth but the fact is is you know we there's four of us we've all got families we've all got kids we've all got you know jobs and everything else so it's more of hey just pick a date in the spring and that we can all commit to and go um but all that said, I, I do wish, you know, we had kind of stuck with the original dates um, and gone a couple of weeks earlier just to see if, you know, the lower snow, like with actually having snow on the on the northern slopes and, and kind of condensing the bear population into, you know, more huntable, not huntable, but more uh, predictable areas. I, I, I wish we could have done that. Um, and hopefully next year, you know, I, I think the plan is to get out at least a couple of weeks earlier than we did this year. But you know, again, it, it kind of all just depends on weather and man, a lot of that's just out of our control. So um yeah, maybe, maybe look at timing. Um, another big one was man, to my core, I don't know that we needed to get that far back. Um, the other guys might have disagreed with me on that point. Um the idea was to get as far away from people as we could. Uh, we managed to do that. We did a really good job of that. There was not a single soul out there. Um but I feel like the effort it took to get that far back might not like the juice may not have been worth the squeezing. But you know I mean like there was a lot of country that we passed up uh to get that far back, whatever. Maybe we could have done half the work, gone half the distance, and had, you know, bought ourselves a couple of days of hunting. Um so yeah, maybe, maybe think about about that a little bit um, or you know even okay if, if we do want to get that far back there are other methods to get back there um, and i'm, I'm not going to go into it here but you, you can cut some of that time out um so maybe look at that uh well, let me think of what else didn't work uh my boots ah, dude so i had real high hopes and i've worn these kind of tricks for a while sorry am i name listing i don't want to like
0: no they're no, good boots. Fine yeah okay I'm your okay uh i don't have anything against them so i'm not like saying yeah bash them and say they're terrible but yeah it's it is what <laughs> it is man we don't we don't uh yeah we don't tiptoe
1: <laughs> okay yeah i so kinetic boots are awesome for a specific style of hunting uh like if on the elevation like dude when we were climbing those things were money they were awesome but a lot of the time we weren't climbing. A lot of the time we were just like traversing miles, like, you know, a little bit of elevation, you know, changes, but for the most part, like trails where you're just pounding feet and those, those boots were just for me, anyway way they were too stiff. Now the other guys were wearing more flexible boots and they got blisters and I didn't. So, you know, maybe, maybe kind of trick has something to do with that, but my feet were just uncomfortable. You know, you, I would. I distinctly remember, like at the two and a half to three mile point, every single day was where my feet would start hurting, and it's just because they couldn't move in the boots. It was like walking, you know, stable, uh, and my feet felt, you know, very well protected. My ankles felt protected, uh, but they were just too stiff, man. I, I I need something that's a little bit more athletic, uh, a little more flexible and and nimble. So uh, I'm I'm not bashing them. Uh, I think if they were a different style of hunt with you know maybe half the mileage that we were doing, I would have been you know a bigger fan. But I've got to find something more flexible for for this kind of hunting. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, sleeping pad. So I'm a side sleeper. Uh, that didn't work out very well. Uh, a good sleeping pad, it leaked somewhere. I've never found the leak, um, but it did leak. So I was having to put air in it. That wasn't the problem. I mean, it would hold overnight. Uh, it's just if you're a side sleeper, like that kind of opens up a whole new can of worms. I just need something wider. Um, so that, that ThermoRest X Lite. Uh, light, amazing, you know, just not for me. If I slept on my back or my stomach, it would have been great, but as a side sleeper, you just don't have the room that you need. Um I'm trying to think of anything big that was a letdown. Oh, uh, phone scope, not a fan. Uh, I give that like one of five stars. Uh, it served its purpose, but it was super finicky. Uh, and then what I kept having issues with, and it, I don't know if it's specific to the spotting scope or whether my phone's heavy or what, but I would slip it onto my spotting scope and you know, on that cup and like my phone would just start rotating with the eyepiece uh that got irritating so gonna look at something different there uh <laughs> so you and i've heard the last couple of episodes you guys talking about repackaging foods uh i know steve's real big into it mark do you do it too did you say you did i don't remember.
0: uh it depends on the trip like if if space and every little bit of ounce matters then yes i'll repackage but there's certain trips where it's like oh i'm only going out for three days and i have plenty of room in my pack and my pack's not that heavy because it's short you know then i may not repackage right
1: okay uh yeah so i i went that route uh <laughs> y'all like if you're gonna repackage your you know peak repeals or you know mountain whatever like cool like you should definitely do that uh I'm kind of happy I did, but what you might want to do is write down how much water you need for each for each particular oh. <laughs> dish. Uh, I did not. I had some soupy ass Mac and you know, Chili Mac and uh, dude, and I like I felt that just all up. Uh and I'm like trying to in-reach people back home. Like, hey, can you like Google, you know, Chili Mac Mountain House and, and see how much water and you know, of course, in reach is in reach. And so I would get text back, and it'd be like, you know, three hours later where, you know, oh sorry, I've already eaten. My soup. Um, yeah. but yeah, so repackage your food is a is a great idea. Just I did not execute it as well as I thought I should have. Uh <laughs> so big bell there. Also, uh I'm an idiot. Bagels are, you know, they're bread and it gets stale. So like by day three, my my super, you know, high high speed cinnamon raisin bagel hazelnut honey sandwiches were like toast. Uh like literal toast. It was just hard. Um, I ate it, didn't complain, but if you're going to be back three or four days, maybe think of something different for the last couple of days for your lunches. Uh, Water filtration. So that was another one that it wasn't, I mean, it didn't stop us. So one is salt your squeeze. Like it's probably, it, it honestly is a really good option. Just if you don't bring that syringe, like you are setting yourself up for failure. Like I was out there, you know, every time I would filter, you'd filter three liters of water and you're having to like, you know, blow through the filter trying to to backwash it and it was just it, it didn't work out so i forgot the syringe that's on me um and it just made water filtration really slow i think you know having a different option would have been nice or maybe just you know do what sawyer says and, and bring the daggone syringe which, uh, that was,
0: which sawyer did you have because they have like the standard of the micro and the mini
1: yeah I th- mine's either the mini or the micro i'm not sure which one it is to be honest with you i think it's the okay
0: mini. okay yeah the the mini um is uh yeah not a huge fan of that one in particular and what's confusing is like the name so the micro sounds like it would be smaller and theoretically worse but i've mm-hmm. had better luck with the micro than the mini really? in particular um but i will say also and and we've you know people are like have heard us talk about if they've been listening to the podcast for a long time they've heard us talk about Sawyer's and we used them I will say more and more though something like the newer kitted and be free or Pack mm-hmm. also has a newer filter um mm-hmm. which i've been using just this year because it is new both of those at least as of right now i would take over a sawyer the concept is great and they're they're similar um, you know in style but uh, something like the Pack or the kated tends to flow faster in general but also clogs less but yes i i will say that that mini. In particular, I just flat out wouldn't take it on more hunts. Like, you just
1: had hell with it. Well, we did too, man. I, you know, I, again, good lesson to learn. I mean, it didn't take us out of the fight. Like we were still filtering water. Uh, and the other one of the other guys had a Sawyer. He had the regular size one. and He was having, I think, less issues than I did. Uh, but Caden's the one I've had my eye on too. And I actually heard you guys talking about it. So I, I've, y'all, made, it's been a long time since y'all have done it. I think, but y'all used to do these, uh, or maybe it hasn't been as long. I, I remember I was driving back from San Antonio one time and listen, this was probably a year and a half, two years ago. And one of the things that you were hitting on, I think it was like year your podcast. And uh y'all, you and, and Steve both were like just hammering hard on the Sawyer squeeze. And that's why I went with it. And it did work. I mean, I, I but I, I think that maybe with technology and time is there are better options now. And that kid and sure does look pretty daggone sweet.
0: Yeah. And again, even if you stick with Sawyer, the micro is better than the mini. So I'm not saying like anything bad about Sawyer in general, but there's the micro, the mini, and the standard. And of all three of those, the, the mini, the one that you happen to have, is the worst Trash. one in my experience. Trash.
1: Yeah, it's it'll it'll go in a box, uh, and and I'll replace it for sure. But yeah, I mean, I, it didn't it didn't fail me. So, saw your good job. Thank you for not failing me. But you know, cleaning the thing out was stupid. Uh, it's just for the birds. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of it. Man, those are like the big failures. I think if you see anything else on the, on the what didn't work that you want me to talk
0: about, pick some things again, just highlights, whatever you want from like, what worked, what did you use and Like?
1: Yeah. Uh, so Suaro ATC y'all, I get it. 2,500 bucks, 2,200 bucks, whatever it is, uh, worth it. Um, one of the guys has a, those with us had a Suaro 65 and I think it had him scratching his head. If you're counting rings, like I get it, go with the the bigger zoom, uh, you know, bigger objective. If, if man, I, I think if you're the average elk hunter, like I could have easily, you know, we were watching those cows, and I could see like their eyeballs, you know, at, at twelve hundred, fifteen hundred yards, whatever it was. So, uh, you know, counting times, you know, if, if that's your thing, like yeah, you're good to go. ATC, it weighs nothing, it fits, you know, really easily in the side pocket on on that K3, or I'm sure the K4 is the same thing uh loved it uh and it just it doesn't weigh anything it's not this giant anchor um so yeah i i took it every single hike i took it on uh zero regrets it worked really well zeiss conquest man i can't recommend them enough i was comparing them to some el ranges i know there's better or newer stuff from saguaro out there uh but just you know setting them up with the the el ranges like i i put them you know neck and back they super happy with them uh and for a thousand bucks man you really can't go wrong so really happy with those uh i'm still rocking the uh the k3 i haven't upgraded to the k4 uh, so y'all's pack did really well uh, i was happy with that i ended up uh up upsizing uh i bought a, a 6400 bag uh, i've only had the 3200 up until recently and just with all the food and everything man i i know you guys have crammed it down uh, and y'all can get a lot of of days into a, a 3200 I just couldn't. Um, So bought a bigger bag. It's way more than what I needed. Y'all, a 6,400 bag is huge. Like I had six days of food and I probably had another foot, you know, the roll talk. Like I probably had another foot of space, uh, maybe a foot and a half of space up top. So um, plenty of room, more than I needed, uh, but it it worked out really well. No rubbing, uh, comfortable. It worked well with my vinyl harness. I just can't say enough about the K3 um real happy with it uh getting up, up high i think we did a good job of that we weren't lazy uh, and it's so hard and you've, you've probably been there uh, i actually i know you have like there are days when you wake up and you're like i don't know if i want to climb 2000 feet today like i just don't know <laughs> if i feel like it uh and, and we did a good job of, of just kind of ignoring it and you know remington is a freaking hoss the guy you know I, I know his leg was bothering him a lot more than he was letting on. Uh, and every single day, you know, up. he's like, let's do it. Let's go kill a bear. Let's go find a bear. Let's climb. We're, we're going to be fine. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think we did a good job of, of seeking out those, you know, first of all, using resources like Onyx or, you know, whatever program you want to Google Earth. But man, spend a couple of hours before you leave and find, identify some high spots that look good. Uh, if they look good on the map, chances are they, they're going to work out pretty good for you when you get there. Uh, And at least you have a reference point, like something to kind of work towards. Uh, So we did a really good job, I think, of identifying those areas, uh, identifying, you know, huntable drainages, uh, and then just, you know, doing the work, getting high and and, uh, putting the work into glass and just sitting there through it and and sucking it up and keeping positive. Um, Yeah, uh, splitting up, good call. Uh, There was four of us. We split into two groups. We pretty much spent the entire time, you know, hunting separately, just allowed us to cover a lot more ground and a lot more drainages. Um, what else <laughs> I put it here? If y'all want like, man, I'm, I'm all about like really nice gear, but every now and then you come across something that's cheap and just works really well. Those regular outdoor pants are money. Uh, I wear them at work all the time and then, uh, I wear them hunting. It's, it's basically like they're 25 bucks a piece. So pretty much disposable pants. Like I came back from that hunt and was like, yeah, I can burn these. They're just <laughs> trash uh, and just don't feel bad about it. Um, and then, you know, power was one of the things that I was concerned about. I use my phone a lot. I knew I'd be on my inReach a lot, making sure that my wife and my, you know, twin daughters were good. Um, taking pictures. I'm, I'm really big on it, making sure I get plenty of pictures. So I was a little bit worried about, uh, consumption of a battery and would a, you know, like an anchor 26 K be enough. Uh, it was plenty, uh, even for a heavy user, it was plenty for me for the entire trip. I never got below like halfway on that charger. And then I took a, uh, it's called a Big Blue Three, I think. Solar panel charge. you know, our solar panel uh, that I found on Amazon had really good reviews. And for anybody who's wondering, man, like it'll give you, it would charge that twenty six k battery pack from half to full with a full day of sun. Um, so yeah, a win there. But those were kind of the highlights for me on on stuff that worked really, really well.
0: I like it, man. It's a lot of good stuff. I just always love hearing, you know, different perspectives, experiences, and everything else. Um, (laughs) One thing I had to laugh at uh, in your list, dang it, I was just trying to find it, and I lost it. I just knew it was there from earlier. You had some sort of comment that literally made me laugh out loud about darn darn tough socks, but just the way you said it. Oh,
1: yeah. Just quit buying anything socks that isn't darn tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That dude, that's it. So i i I've tried a couple of different brands. Darn tough socks, like they're just the way to go. Like I think they're kind of the gold standard for you know merino socks. Uh, I liked them. My feet were incredibly comfortable, and they did a they did a good job of. Dude, my feet are sweaty. Like it is what it is. Like I've got nasty sweaty feet, uh, and wrapped up in those you know full grain leather boots all day like in the miles we were putting on like my feet like my my boots would be wet by the end of the day uh, so they just did a really good job of, of pushing all that sweat away from my feet and then at every single night i took two pair of socks uh and every night i would actually take my that cup that lightweight hoodie that i wore the vast majority of the hunt and the socks i wore that day take it down to the river uh rinse it out and then hang it up and it'd be dry the next morning um, but yeah darn tough socks were were amazing uh couldn't get enough of those. I'd recommend them hundred percent. Uh, also that lightweight hoodie, uh, was great. So really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, and then the other two things that like kind of just side notes is I stepped on my sunglasses three times (laughs) during this hunt. So, and like one of them was literally like, we, we pulled over on the way in, um, to just check zero on my rifle and, you know, we hadn't even started the hunt yet, stepped on my dadgum sunglasses uh, and bent the earpiece just all to hell uh, and kind of used, you know, this, the strap, like the neck strap to kind of hold them together. I lent them through, they made it through the hunt. So shout out to Oakley on that. But uh, yeah, just take better care of, of that. I have a habit of, of taking, you know, sunglasses off and set them down next to me. And then you don't, you know, you get excited or, you know, quit paying attention. And the next thing, you know, you're on top of them. Um, yeah. And then airpods i forgot my airpods and yeah i uh i wish i brought those man there was a lot of time that you know i'm I'm one of those people that i love to listen to podcasts and i had a ton of content downloaded uh but just on the hikes in hikes out you know putting on the mileage like to have something just kind of going in my head distracting i ran off and forgot them so bummer
0: well man thanks for sharing the story like the lessons what you found that worked well and didn't and uh i'm genuinely excited to hear that after all this you're just all right let's go next year let's do this again yeah. i love it
1: <laughs> yeah man we're uh we're already planning it so we'll do it next year and you know so we got some some stuff in the fall lined up that i'm looking forward to and yeah man just as a kind of a young hunter uh, well not young but you know a new hunter um just all the learning and getting experience and excited
0: Well, that's a wrap with Caleb. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Caleb, once again, thank you for sharing the time with us and sharing your story. And listeners, if you have a story for us or maybe a hunt coming later this year that you would like to consider for this before and after the hunt podcast series, reach out and let us know. Or if you just have a question or suggestion for the podcast, also reach out. You can send an email to podcast at xomountaingear.com. Or just look for the link in the show description that says, leave us a message. While you're in that show description, be sure to hit exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast to enter the giveaway that is going on right now in June of 2023 for the SIG Zulu HDX image stabilizing binos. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app so that you receive future episodes automatically, and we'll talk to you soon.